Hey, well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Hey, if this is your first time visiting with us, we're glad that you are here. Uh, and we do welcome you and um, we'd love to meet you and get the chance to shake your hand and to greet you uh, personally. Hey, there's some cards in the seat in front of you. Um, and uh, if, you, if this is your first time here, we'd just like to know that you're here. If you can uh, fill out one of those, you can put it in one of these buckets um, uh, uh, when we share in communion. And also those buckets are on the table for giving. I like to say it from time to time because um, some people think they're trash buckets, and uh, but they're not there for that. They're um, there for communion. Every now and then we're digging trash out of those buckets. Uh, but that's, that's for our giving when we share in communion. You can give in, in those buckets. Well, um, this morning we're continuing our series. Uh, we've been in it called You Asked For It. Um, also this morning I forgot my watch, and so uh, I'm going to try to stay within a good time. If Jamie comes up and uh, tackles me in the service, that means I have gone too long, and he is too hungry. Uh, uh, it, uh, so, um, but but this morning we're we're talking about a topic that's um, it, it's something that uh, that affects us all and affects our society, and it's some it, it was. Uh, one, we got really several questions, and it's one of those questions that I was glad to see uh, entered with this series um, um, for, for a number of reasons, because we're talking about marriage. Um, and, and um, it, yeah, especially in a world of social media and Facebook, where, um, where images of marriage on Facebook look idyllic and perfect, right? We're, uh, you know... Date night, photos, selfies, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, Sunday morning, we've dressed alike, selfie, Facebook, you know, uh, out for a walk with my boo, Facebook, selfie, you know what I mean? And, and you, I mean, you're looking at Facebook and it looks, and so like, especially in this world with social media, like, there's this, um, I think there's this uh, embarrassment element when it comes to challenges in marriage, when challenges in marriage are common to everyone who's married, uh, who's married and challenges in uh, marriage and the challenge they present to families are common to anyone who's been in a family where marriage has existed. So, um, so we're, we're really digging into this question, which I always feel like is the elephant in the room, the thing we sit silent on and often don't talk about um, until it's gotten to a breaking point. Um, and we're still not really worried to talk about it. We're just making an announcement, and we don't want... Um, we don't, we don't want to be at that place where we're making announcements about, um, about our marriages. We want to experience God's healing power over them and, um, and see what God is able to do. And for our test in marriage to become our testimony about what God is able to do. And so um, this morning we are addressing uh, that topic and the, the specific uh, question, which I've kind of summarized from a numerous, number of different questions and concisely uh, placed it is um, how do I continue in a marriage that feels uh, broken beyond repair? It feels broken beyond, beyond repair. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. We'll, we'll read this scripture. This is the first marriage in the Bible, and then we'll share in a moment a prayer, and then we'll get into our message. Uh, so Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in, in verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. 
The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to wade into these deep waters of marriage. And God, we thank you that you're a God that walks upon the waters and a God who rescues those who find themselves in storms upon the waters and are fearful of sinking never to rise again. God, we thank you that you are that God, a good God who calls us to live and walk and thrive in faith. And so, God, I pray this morning that you will guide us in this message, that you will um, guide what I say, that you will guide how we hear it, that you will guide what we do with it, that we might honor you through the covenant of marriage. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, I should have, I should have probably started um, um, by saying, hey, this is, a, this is a message that's important for all of us. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what stage you are in your life, whether you're married or, or not. And if you're, um, um, because if you're not married but someday hope to be, right, this message uh, may be a bit of a, a dose of reality, if you will, right? Um, I, I just remember uh, when I was dating my wife thinking, um, this is so good, it can't be right, right? You know what I mean? Like, I was just, I was just, yeah, everything seemed perfect. It seemed too good. And a lot of times uh, when we're dating and engaged and uh, uh, kind of going through those steps in life, sometimes it just seems so good that we, that we don't even see um, potential challenges. It just seems we can only see the good that there will be in the, in the marriage life. And in fact, there is tons of good in marriage. And so I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning and say, hey, marriage is a challenge. Marriage is a challenge, but God overcomes that and marriage is good. It's God's design uh, for, for human beings. Uh, maybe you're married and, and, and maybe this might come off as a, as a challenge to you. Maybe this, this might be a a challenging message for you and your marriage and and um, the things that we all go through because challenges in marriage are common to us all. Um, or, or maybe maybe you're not married and and, um, and maybe don't don't want to be, don't have any hope of being. And um, and, and this here's the, the thing. The thing. Um, it, and this is something we've done in our society is. 
Um, marriage is that thing that, uh, that we put walls up around, and, and we really don't want anybody speaking into it. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how this plays out in specific scenarios, but it is your responsibility as a friend and a follower of Christ to encourage your married friends and to encourage them to walk in the way of the Lord. And so maybe you're not married, maybe you have no plans of being married, um, but you know someone who is. And if that's true, um, it is your responsibility to find ways to tactfully, not be like no, being nosy and buttoned into somebody's marriage, but to tactfully and respectfully speak into their lives as a friend. Because here's the deal, right? Um, because, uh, you know, the, Jesus calls us to be his disciples, but then he challenges us to go make disciples. And he's not saying, he's not saying, because this is often how we uh, kind of shirk our responsibility in the church, right? We, uh, we wait, we say, well, I, I just, I, you know, I just started following Jesus Christ. And so I'm not, I'm, I, 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 you know, I don't have any, my voice doesn't have any validity. I, I can't say anything to anyone else, but I'm still trying to figure this thing out myself. And, and that's kind of the way it plays out in our lives where we're not going to say anything or challenge anyone. And here we are walking with Christ 50 years later, uh, uh, dead and gone and never encouraged anybody because I, I just haven't got my own life together yet. Um, listen, uh, Jesus, when he says, go make disciples, right? He's saying, as soon as you become my disciple, go make disciples, right? Go help somebody else to walk in the ways of the Lord. Don't wait till you get your life all figured out and, and all together. Um, so that, this is all of our responsibility. So this is a message for, for all of us. Um, yeah. So it's, it's important for us all that the, the thing, the, the reason why these are deep waters is that there's, there's no pain like the pain of a broken marriage. If you've been there, uh, if you've experienced it, there's, there's no pain that, that's similar to that. It, it, it's, something happens, uh, when two lives become, become one. When you say I do, I, and I, and I don't, I mean, I don't know how this works. I don't know how the, the chemistry, the mechanics of the brain and all that works. But as soon as you say I do, something I mean, you could you could even be uh, 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 you could even be dating uh, um, for a long time and, and all these. But when you say I do, there's something something that that happens almost just like that. Uh, and I, I like there's a sermon by Andy Stanley, and I don't think there's any kind of notes or links to it. But if you just go on YouTube and you search um, um, uh, marriage expectations, Andy Stanley Part One is Part One. And if you listen to that video where he talks about something happens when you say I do, I, I think it's just fantastic way of phrasing stuff. Um, but but he says your desires become expectations, right? So I desired uh, that, that for you know that, I'll just use myself as an example, and these aren't really real uh, examples necessarily, but stereotypical ones. But I desired that my wife would cook dinner and wash dishes every night, or I desired that I would never have to wash clothes a day uh, in my life again, right? In fact, I I just planned on just dropping my clothes where they came off, and somebody else would go pick them up, you know. What I mean? And but then those desires are all well and good, right? I desire that, that she would um, kind of follow me, my lead in every way. When I said I want to go or do, she'd be like, yes, sir. Or maybe not, sir. Um, <clears throat> Uh, but, but we have these desires, and what Andy, Andy Stanley says in this message, he says, when we say I do, those desires become expectations. So I might desire that. Now, if she doesn't do it before I get married, I'm like, all right, that's, that's, that's cool. 
I'm, I'm, my head's in the clouds. I'm, I'm deep in love or whatever. But as soon as I say I do, those desires become exponential. I expect her to wash my clothes. I expect her to cook and clean. I expect her to do these things. And when desires become expectations, they become a lot more harmful in a marriage as a, a wedge and, and something that drives us apart. Um, and so what, what happens is we get married. We experience those desires to become expectations. They become wedges and, and different things begin to play out because there's hurt feelings and all kinds of things going on in marriages, and there's no pain like the pain of a broken uh, marriage. Now, um, there, there's, I, I just wanted this to be up here, and you'll see it again, even, uh, there's information for Janine Malborn, who's a counselor who has an office here at the church, right back down this hallway. Hey, she is fantastic. My wife and I have been uh, to see her uh, and, and to spend some time with her, and she's, she's, she's fantastic in understanding um, marriages and, and just working with us. Uh, and, I, and I don't know what happens. Uh, you know, I, I always feel like um, um, uh, counselors are almost like David Blaine, right? They do some kind of magic, right? It's something about sitting down. And you may say, I don't understand it, but it's something about sitting down in this neutral space with a neutral person. It's not necessarily a friend, not 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 a associate, not not somebody that you that you see on a day to day basis. Sitting down and helping someone guide your conversation concerning marriage. So I encourage you. Hey, if you need to talk to somebody, write that information down. Give her a call, shoot her an email, or something like that. Um, she she's fantastic, and uh, so the, that's a that's a plug for her. Um, and so the, the thing is, don't just sit back and not do anything about it. Right? Don't sit and suffer silently. God placed us in the church, and the church is a community that gathers around one another and encourage each other during difficult times, particular difficult times in marriage. Um, um, because what we see in the Bible, right, when we look at the scriptures, especially when we look at that verse we just uh, looked at, is that marriage is God's plan for his good creation, right? In Genesis chapter 1, it teaches us that God created the, the world, right? And as he created each part of, of this world that we live in, he declared it to be good. And at the very end, he said, it is very Good. And so as God was creating um, this world, he declares it to be good. And in this good world, marriage exists. Therefore, marriage is a part of God's good creation. Um, that's what God uh, desired to exist in whole and healthy ways in our society. And so um, so what happens when divorce enters into a world that God created good is it has a devastating effect on individuals, right, Um uh, and on our society. I came across this quote, quote by Margaret At- Atwood. And, and um, I, pop, go ahead and pop that quote up there um, because I don't have it written down. And she's, it's Margaret Atwood. She's a, a novelist. She says, a divorce is like an amputation. You survive it, but there's less of you, right? So it, 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 you become this, this is one flesh nature that we see in Genesis chapter 2, that the man and woman become one flesh, this one flesh nature, right? Uh, once you become one flesh, you say, I do. Y'all are married and planning on doing life together forever, right? When divorce happens, right, it becomes like an amputation. It is not the easy way, right? It would just be so much better if I could start over fresh with someone else, the right one this time, right? It does not work that way, right? Divorce is like an amputation. You become one flesh with this person. To cut them off is to cut off a part of you. It's not the easy way, um, it's the biggest deception and the biggest lie that the enemy could tell us. 
And not only is it harmful for the individual, um, but it's harmful for our society as a whole. Um, because God intended our world to be created good. And in that good world, marriages are healthy and marriages are whole. And marriages bear witness to the power of God to overcome any kind of challenge and hardship that we might face. And so this morning, what I really want to do is I want you to see, I want you to see three things, right, from that first marriage in the Bible, right? This could be a whole series, just like all of our questions in this, in this series. Each one could be a whole series on, on marriages and, and marriage uh, relationship advice and all that kind of stuff. Um, but because we're just doing this one message, we really don't have time for that. Um, but I want you to see uh, three things from the first marriage that I think guide us in our marriages today. And, and this is ways that we should look at marriage. The first one that I want you to see is that marriage is a covenant, right? Right? Marriage is a covenant. Listen, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 23, listen to uh, Adam's uh, vows to, to Eve. He says, it says, Then the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of me. I want you to see that what he does not say there is this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh as long as... <laughs> You know, as, as long as she cooks and cleans, as long as she keeps herself put together, right? As long as she stays within a certain weight limit or parameter, right? He's not saying there's no as long, as long as she doesn't come home nagging, right? As long as she doesn't, it, there's no, uh, there's no condi- conditional clause there, right? He, he says, this is now bone of my bone. There, there's no, Adam's not holding an out there, right? Um, that I'm out of this if, right? But, but here's how it plays out way too often, and we can admit it or not, but there's something in the back of our head of uh, expectations is what you would call them, right? There's some expectations in the back of our head of this is what my marriage should look like. If my marriage doesn't look like this, I'm out of here, right? Um, this is, this is, and what we end up doing is we end up treating marriage more like a contract than a covenant. When the Bible teaches us that it's a covenant, you see, in contracts, there's always conditions. I will, you know, if you um, have a contractor working on your house or doing work at your house, they may have you sign a contract. And in that contract, it is, I will pay you if you do the job and do the job right. That's a contract. And we're, we're treading on, on dangerous waters when we treat our marriage like that. I will love you. You are now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, if you, right? And that's not what God intended for marriage. It's a covenant. And this is the way a covenant works. And this is just a difficult place because it doesn't really, covenants don't really exist in our society like this. But it is, I will hold up my end of the bargain even if you don't, right? (laughs) You need a good, um, you need a good, uh, somebody who's, a, um, um, a, you know, I, I believe in premarital counseling. Some of us weren't, weren't, uh, nobody explained it to this, us this way before we got married. And we're like, hold on, I got duped. Um, uh, but I tell you, if you were preparing to get married and you sat down with me before you got married, I would tell you this, right? 
um, that even if your spouse does not hold up their end of the bargain, you're still responsible in God's eyes for holding up your end. And, and, and there's, there's not outs there because he isn't or she isn't, right? That, that's just not the way marriage works. I, I'll never forget the first time I, I saw this play out. I had a friend. I worked, I worked at two jobs where we had, um, when I, one was I was a teenager, I was an auto mechanic. Um, and uh, auto mechanics, yeah, um, it, it was an interesting uh, auto shop. And, and I, so I worked with some, some characters. Um, but the other one, I worked at Home Depot where uh, I was in the lumber department and worked with a lot of contractors. And I remember this guy that um, um, he's just one of the toughest, manliest men I'd ever, I mean, just, this guy was just manly. You know, I kind of, I was, what, 20 maybe at the time, 1920. And I, and I really looked up to this guy because he was just, he's kind of this big guy. And you, you almost felt like, um, you, I mean, you just almost felt like, you just, you just had this sense of respect for him as a, as a man, right? Um, it wasn't that you were fearful of him, but you just had this strong respect. I mean, he just carried himself a certain certain kind of way. But at the same time, I, you just didn't want to get on his bad, bad side. And I was, um, you know, of course, I was going through the world of dating, and I would always talk about relationships. And we got into this conversation about relationships, and this guy started talking about his marriage and his wife. And I don't, I don't really know why he opened up to me in the way that he did, but he talked about some of the challenges um, they had faced, including her being unfaithful and um and you know i i kind of leaned in and i i almost wanted to go um <laughs> did you chop her up and stick her in your fridge because this guy was that kind of guy right i imagine this guy having like some serious like meat cleavers or something in his house uh and so i was kind of worried for her life and he was like no i i forgave her right and i held up my end of our of our covenant and i and I never forget this big, strong, manly man. And at this point, my perception of what it meant to be a man was that you didn't let someone do that kind of stuff to you and forgive them and show them grace, right? That's not what it, what it meant to be a man. But he got what the scriptures are teaching us, what it means to be a man. And that's in, in Genesis chapter 2, what Adam says, this is now bone of my bone, even if she hurts me, right? This is now flesh of my flesh, even if this relationship begins to feel a little bit abusive, right? Um, because I'm holding up my end of the covenant as my way of honoring God. Because marriage is a covenant, not a contract. There are no outs because the other one betrayed my trust, right? Um, yeah. And, and so, um, so, so here's the, here's the thing, um, there are times that we have to step back and we have to wrestle with God's word and say, hey, um, God, I never, I never, really, I never really heard it presented this way. Um, but I want to live faithful to you. I, I want to obey your word. So God, please help me to help, help me with this. Help me, help me to wrestle with what this means for me and my situation. So I'm Throw that out there. Um, That's what we do. Second thing I want you to see about marriage um, is that marriage is a relationship. Marriage is a relationship. Um, And and this this is a rule that really applies to any healthy relationship. In any healthier relationship, the person that you're in a relationship with, um, they they complement you, but they don't complete you. Right? If you're in a relationship where you feel like you gotta have this person in order to be complete, like feel complete, um, that, that is not a healthy relationship. What we see, if we rewind just a little bit, um, back where we, um, where we started in this, this passage, 
Um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, that's in verse, verse 15, uh, to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a suitable helper. He Notice what God didn't say. He's, he didn't say it's not good for man to be alone. He's missing something. I will complete him. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make him complete by providing him a woman and a marriage for a woman for him to be married to in a marriage, right? That the, the marriage didn't complete him. Adam was already healthy and whole before he was married. Um, and so it wasn't that he was missing something. It wasn't that he had some grand void in his life, right? Um, a marriage is for companionship, but not for completion. So if, if there's some sense that I'm going to get married and now my life is going to be better, right? Um, that's just a false perception, right? Uh, if you're not healthy and whole before you get married, you're not going to be healthy and whole after you get married. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you're not healthy and whole, you shouldn't get married. Um, because there, there's, there's a, um, there's a real sense that, that all of us are broken and, and flawed and have, have our individual challenges. Uh, and there is nothing greater and nothing that speaks more powerfully to the testimony of God's power in relationships and particularly in marriage than when two people are walking together towards a healthy and whole, um, individuality like th- together you're becoming healthy and whole right so it's not saying you, you get your life right and uh, and you become whole and you get everything right with god before you get married but it's no together we're moving in that direction right um and and that's what god intended but what we see is it's a relationship so there are so so it, as human beings and we talked about some something along this line a couple of weeks ago that as a result of sin being in this world as a result of that, um, there's all kinds of things. There's low self-esteem. There's insecurity. There, there's feelings of purposelessness and voids in our in our lives. There's feelings of fear and shame and guilt and all these different things that, um, that exist uh, within us as, as things that. that and, and so, like marriage doesn't like make those things go away. So it's not um, I, I'm insecure and I find someone to love me for me and now all of a sudden I'm secure, right? Um, what we're doing when we when we do that, right, um, is we're trusting our spouse to do what only God can do, right? Only God can heal us from the wounds of this world, whether that's insecurity, low self-esteem, um, um, depression, feelings of, of, of loneliness and abandonment, uh, shame, guilt. Only God can do that, right? And so what, what, we, what we too often do is we reach out to another, right, instead of reaching up to God, when together we hold on to one another in marriage and together we reach up to God. I, I never forget. I, and I, I, I'm, um, I don't tell a lot of stories in, in, in my messages um, because I, I, I used to tell a lot of uh, illustrations in my sermons. And there, there's some really corny ones out there on the Internet. But I would find these really corny uh, sermon illustrations. And I, would, uh, I, it's, I just feel like illustrations often are corny. But um, here's one that works, though. And it's worked for, for, for me and my wife and because and, it's the pastor that sat down and did premarital counseling with us. He said, you just think of a triangle. Um, uh, at a triangle, you have three, three points, right? And so you have your husband and wife here at these two bottom points, right? And at the top point is God. And what he told us was that as you move closer to God, you move 
closer to one another, right? Um, so as, as you reach out for God and as you, your relationship with God improves, your relationship with each other also should improve and you grow closer to one another. That's counterintuitive, right? Because here's what we do. We uh, reach out to one another. If only, if only she would you know, please me in this way, or if, if only he would do this and please me in this way, if only we could fix, uh, fix this, or only if we could change this, right? And we're ultimately reaching back and forth to one another, feeling like the solution to the challenges that we're going through is each other and each other doing something differently. When the scriptures teach us something much different, that's that marriage is a relationship, right? Um, the, your marriage isn't intended to complete you, and nor does the other person make it, make it whole, but moving closer to God makes it whole. Um, it's counterintuitive. It's against the way that we instinctively do things. Um, but our, our wholeness and our health, emotional health, right? Well-being, spiritual health, right? It can only be found when we're reaching out to God. And so the first thing was that marriage is, is a, a covenant, not a, not a contract. Second thing, it's, it's a relationship, um, not not intended to make you you whole you you gotta let god make you whole and um um let me let me just kind of kind of throw this out out there um because marriage is an odd relationship um it's it's odd in that it's it's odd in the one flesh one flesh one flesh nature of it right there's this one flesh nature makes it odd if we, if we take that seriously um <laughs> i just had a bad uh um image um but yeah i mean so there's just <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with it um uh, there's this one f- flesh nature where yeah i mean um before you get, before you uh, it depends on the way you roll but before you before you get married um <laughs> that's probably shouldn't go here uh, before you get married <laughs> Um, nobody just kind of, nobody just kind of walks around public n- in the nude, right? Uh, that's just not the way, like, if you walked in here, like, in the nude, we, uh, yeah, we could call the police or something. I mean, that would be just like, um, but there's something that happens, at least in my house. I don't know about your house, but something happens, at least in, in my house, where, where we're comfortable with, with one another. And I'm not saying we have a perfect we definitely don't have a perfect marriage. Um, but there's something that happens as one flesh that, um, um, that, 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 uh, that we can be naked, right? <laughs> in the literal sense, not, not just in the, the figurative sense, but in the literal sense, and, and feel no shame. Um, and that's because there's this one flesh nature that comes with marriage. And that's pointing to something that's much deeper, and that's full transparency and openness. And it's not a, I'm working on me while you work on you kind of thing, right? We're naked, right? <laughs> Everything's exposed and laid bare in marriage, right? And it's not just, it's not just the body, right? It's the inner feelings and emotions and insecurities and the challenges. The only way marriage works and becomes one flesh the way God intended is with 
full honesty and full transparency and openness. And this is who I am. And I'm trusting you to love the person that I am. It's a relationship that works that way, unlike any other relationship. Uh, And there's a reason, right? The third thing I want you to see is that um, marriage is a model of Christ and the church. Marriage is a model of Christ and the church. Um, when we when we look at uh, throughout scriptures, um, it, there is there it, it almost probably um, to people in the Old Testament uh, felt odd that God was taking uh, marriage so seriously. Like what? Like what? Like what's the deal? Like why is God so strict about marriage? Why does God not allow divorce? Right? I can break up with my friend and, and get another friend, and God's not saying, "Hey, you got to stay with your friends. You got to have the same friends." You gotta, like God's not doing that. So why is God so strict about marriage? And what we see in the New Testament is that marriage is a model of Christ and the church. And, and, and in other words, God wanted to make Himself known. God wants to make himself known through the covenant relationship of marriage, right? God wants to reveal himself to the world through the covenant relationship of marriage. That makes this relationship, the marriage relationship, the most important relationship that could ever exist. In fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter um, chapter 3, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, sorry, <clears throat> thank you. I was like, hold on, where is it? I said three earlier this week, too. For some reason, I'm all in, in three, uh, chapter three. Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse uh, verse 22. And I'm going to begin in verse 21 because I realized I left out an important uh, verse that's, uh, that, uh, that men often like to, to leave out. <laughs> Blame it on my head, not my heart. Um, uh, so Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 says, Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, right? Submit to each other. All right, so I laid that out there. Um, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit the, to their husbands in everything. All right, so let me just pause right there and say, um, you might be going, oh, I hope he talks about this submit thing because I've always wondered about that. It's not happening this morning. We're not talking about it a lot this morning, at least. Um, but we are beginning next month a new series on the on Peter, which says the very similar things, talks about submission in, in the context of marriage. So we're beginning, um, and I think that's in even, even, I don't know where it is in Peter, but it's in Peter. And so be here for every week of this series. Uh, that begins next month in Peter, and then you'll be able to hear uh, what the Bible means by this by this word submit. But listen to what it, I'm going to continue reading. Um, verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That, I think that's the key to what it means by submit. Let me just throw that out there because I don't want to miss that. Uh, Husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so here's the question, right? Um, And and I may get back to that scripture. I may not. But here's the question, uh, particularly to husbands, because that's where the way the Bible frames it, uh, particularly to husbands, how did Christ love the church? Right? 
And so, like, if submission, right, if we, we're taking this verse to, to mean what it says, right? So if submission means, um, um, so if submission means anything, <laughs> if submission means anything, it must mean following one who's giving up everything for you because that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus gave up everything for the church. Like in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, when it says uh, that God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made and found in human form, he gave himself up and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's Ephesians chapter 2, right? Um, He became obedient even to death on a cross. Um, The Bible's teaching us very clearly that if the husband's going to love his wife as Christ Christ loved the church, that means he's giving up everything for her. And that's making it a lot more easy uh, for her to be willing to look to him as, as, as the leader of their household because he's given up everything for her, right? In order, to, in order to love her. Romans chapter 5, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Romans chapter 5 um, talks about while we were yet God's enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. He loved the world. Not because we got ourselves right. Not because we fixed things. Right? He just loved the church. Right? And so, if, if anything, what the Scripture is teaching us, that marriage is a model of Christ and the church, that, that means that... Um, um, <laughs> this is the hard thing. That means that even though in marriage you may look like enemies of one another, that's a sign that you're doing something right. Because the Bible says we were enemies of God and he loved us and he drew close to us even when it didn't appear to make any sense, right? It was senseless. Um, but God drew close to us, near to us. Um, and so if, if marriage is going to look like anything, it's going to look um, at times, right, I don't want to shade a, a negative image of it, um, but it's going to look at times broken, but this awkward closeness in the midst of brokenness, right? This kind of awkward drawing close to one another, even when we don't, don't, don't like each other. Um, that's how Christ loved the church. That's how Christ loved the church. You see, what the Scriptures are teaching us, just to kind of shift this and frame it, what the Scriptures are teaching us is that our primary pursuit in life must be God's glory. Our primary pursuit in life must be to glorify God. You know, you know, we talk about like the church and, the, and like um, people always, you know, we, you know, success is a weird word in in the church. You know, so what what success? You know, I want a church with you know two services. I want a church with a thousand people. Right? What's what's success in the church? Right? Uh, so like people talk about sex, success, sex, success, uh, and, and they um, they like to to quant, quantify it, right? Put put numbers and metrics on it. Um, and uh, so, like, what success 
in the church. And for me, success in the church means that we are jealous for God's glory more than anything else, right? That we become a people who are desperate that God be glorified in and through us more than anything else. And what the scriptures are teaching us is that our primary pursuit is to glorify God. That's what our lives are to be given for. So now, maybe you entered marriage for a different reason. Maybe you entered marriage because you were burning with desire, right? Scriptures even give that as a reason to get married. Like some of you are burning with desire. You're going to start living in sin, so go ahead, get married, right? Uh, Bible Bible does say that. I, I, I won't, but there's a little bit of explanation that can go with that, too. But, um, but the Bible does say that. I'll just throw it out there. Maybe you were just, you know could not control yourself, and you were like, I didn't want to center against God, so I'm going to go ahead and get married. Um, or, or maybe you got married because there were expectations in your family, or people thought you should get married, or yada, 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 or you felt some kind of kind of, some kind of pressure to get married, or, or maybe you got married because you had just fallen so deep in love, and I just got to be connected with this person in this way. Maybe that's the reason why you got married. Um, what the Bible teaches us, though, is that um, the primary purpose even in marriage, right, is to glorify God. In fact, that the pathway to the best marriage ever is paved by the pursuit of God's glory. And so if you aren't looking to pursue God's glory, even in your marriage, you're just, you're, 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 um, um, it's like running on a treadmill, right? You're going to wear yourself out. Um, and so the Bible teaches us that we wear ourselves out pursuing God's glory because when we're pursuing God's glory, God gives us strength, right? God gives us strength. He's not going to give you strength to pursue your own glory, right? Um, but he'll give you strength to pursue his glory. And so, so here's the deal. This is the way this shifts and changes everything, right? Um, when we're fighting in a broken marriage to save our marriage, right? We're not just fighting to save our marriage, right? Because I want my kids to grow up in a happy home, right? We're not just fighting to save our marriage. We're fighting to glorify God because as followers of Christ, we pursue God's glory more than anything else, right? When I'm fighting with my spouse, I'm not just fighting against my spouse, right? I'm, I'm fighting to glorify God because I'm pursuing God more than anything else. That's the thing that's come to captivate me, and it changes every single thing, right? I want God's glory more than anything else. So the happiness question, doesn't God want me to be happy? Um, and I've, I've heard it said is that God wants uh, your holiness more than your happiness. And I think that's false. I think when our hearts are truly given to the Lord in his way. The scriptures teach us that when our hearts are truly given to the Lord in his ways. That happiness and holiness are inextricably, I like that word, linked together. Right? They, they can't be disconnected. That our happiness and holiness are linked together. And so what we must do is we have to work to mature spiritually so that our pursuit is God's glory. And then holiness, even in my marriage, makes me happy, gives me great joy. So does God want you to be happy even in marriage? You bet he does. But your happiness isn't going to come by him getting his act together or her getting her act together. 
your happiness is only going to come and the great joy of the Lord is only going to come when we're pursuing the glory of God Almighty. So the answer to the question, how do I continue in a marriage that feels broken beyond repair? Pursue God's glory and receive strength from God because he'll do it. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that, um, that you give us this opportunity to uh, open the scriptures to this difficult passage um, and, and to, um, to explore it. And God, I just pray. I, I pray for every marriage that's represented in this building. God, I pray your strength, your power, your might upon us. God, I pray that you will turn our hearts, turn our attention, our focus to your glory and that we'll be jealous for that more than anything else. God, I pray that we will be reaching up to you, that we can be made whole and healthy so that as a result of being whole and healthy people, we'll have more whole and healthy marriages. God, I pray that you help us to do the difficult work, to make the hard decisions, to do the things that don't come natural or easy. But God, please help us to do them for your glory and that we might be strengthened by you. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.